responsibly this morning the first six verses of the chapter. Allow me to begin reading in verse number one. Now we'll read the three odd numbered verses. Would you please begin reading with me in verse number two, along with the two succeeding even numbered verses, four and six. And as always, in respect to the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and reading responsively. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, Take your eternal word and speak to every heart of every believer that's within the sound of this voice, I pray. And Spirit, do a work of grace in the heart of life of anyone here that knows not Christ as their Savior. Penetrate their heart with the gospel of Christ. And we'll thank you for it. We'll give you eternal praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is our 25th message on the book of 1 John. The key word is the word know. We preached a message a number of weeks ago entitled, I Know That I'm Saved. And we saw that from chapter 3. We preached a message, again, it's about six weeks ago now. I know God is greater than my heart. Sometimes our heart condemns us, but God is greater than our heart. Then we preached a message, I think, four weeks ago now. I know three commandments to receive. The commandment to believe on his name, the commandment to love one another, and the commandment to abide in him. And then, of course, three weeks ago, we preached a message entitled, I Know I'm Not to Believe Every Spirit, but We Are to Try the Spirits, verses 1 through 3. Our text verse this morning is verse number 4 of chapter 4. The Bible says, Ye are of God, little children. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The word overcome there is, of course, the Greek word that most of you probably know. The, the tennis shoe company stole the, the, the name, of course. I'm referring to the word Nike or Nikeo. And it means to overcome. It means to be victor. And the Bible tells us, and here's the in-your-face truth to know this morning. I know we, that's, I'm talking to Christians now. I know that we are in a holy war. Now, many Christians think that we're in a playground and life is meant to be lived happily and just all for us, but we're in a battle. Bunyan called it the holy war. Paul talked about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, the mighty pulling down of strongholds. 
Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against angels, against principalities. Paul also said in 2 Timothy that we are to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So I know that we Christians are in a war. And let's be honest. Let's be transparent. We often get weary in the battle. Fatigue does set in from time to time. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 13, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Galatians says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So we're in a battle. Therefore be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here's what we know. We know that we are in a war. And sometimes we get weary in the battle. But here's the truth I want you to know this morning that our text explains to us. But we are born to win. We are born to win. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, the Bible says, But thanks be to God, which uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 8 reminds us that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so the message this morning in, verses, in three verses, four points. We are born to battle, but we are born to win. And I want you to notice verse number four. It is our text verse as we begin this morning. The Bible says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christians are overcomers. We are victorious. We are Nikeo. We are, we are victors in Christ. Why are we victors? Well, being victors, we are, I want you to know, invincible in the struggle. Invincible in the struggle. Look at the verse again. Let's dissect it now. Ye are of God. I love that phrase, ye are of God. Look at John chapter, uh, same chapter, verse number six. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. That phrase, we are of God. Look at verse number one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be of God. Because many false spirits are gone out into the world. Verse 2 again. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. I was talking on Wednesday. We were at the nursing home. We had our nursing home service at the Valerie Manor. And uh, had a gentleman... uh, kind man that was in the service, had about 20 or so folks, about 10 men, 10 women. And after the service, we preached on the resurrection, and he said to me, and I highlighted Jesus Christ, of course, as the death, in his death, burial, and resurrection, and that we serve a living Savior. And he said something to me in the effect that, well, you know, God's name is Jehovah. And uh, I said, and that's true, his name is Jehovah, of course, but Jesus means Jehovah saves. And I just turned it around on him. He kind of tipped his hand on who he'd been probably studying with. It is true that 5,287 times we find in our King James Bible the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It is the word Yahweh. That's true. And it's a heavenly name. It's a, it's a name for, uh, a covenant name for God's children or of God himself. And yet we are of God. The Bible says, verse number six, that Look at what it says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. True love comes from God, because we're born of God. So we are invincible in the struggle, because we, first of all, are of God. 
But not only are we of God, but we are, back to verse number four, you are of God, little children. I've said it many times, I'll say it again, though. And Laura, several people have asked me, Laura, my middle daughter, is due tomorrow as her official uh, date for her number seven. We're hoping it comes today. <laughs> She's hoping it comes today. And, uh, but don't mess with my little children. Don't mess with my grandchildren. Don't mess with your grandchildren. Don't mess with our, our own children. But God says, don't mess with my little children. We are invincible in the struggle. The Bible says it's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck, Jesus said, than to, to suffer or harm one of these little ones. There's the, we are, of God's, we are God's little children. We are overcomers. We're invincible. He's going to protect us. Luke 12, 32, fear not, little children, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Matthew 16 and verse number 18, the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against his children. Nothing shall separate us, Romans 8, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so we have this, this love, this invincibility in this struggle, because we are of God, we are his little children, but then... We are born of God. Notice what, it, and let me give you a verse in John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse number 13. Which were born not of blood. You didn't become a Christian because your parents were Christians and you were born into a Christian family and you were brought up in the church. That does not make you a Christian. You don't inherit Christianity by, by, uh, by just growing up in a church, being Christian or being confirmed, that doesn't make you a Christian. You're not born of blood. It's not in your genes. You're not born of the will of the flesh. You can't say, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to, by good works, I'm going to show God that I'm a Christian. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. Nor the will of man. What if God chose not to save you? Salvation, the Bible says, John 1, verse number 13, but salvation that's being born of the Spirit is which, is, which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Salvation is of God. We're born of God. Look at chapter 3, if you would, please. Verse number 9, if you would. 1 John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. In Christ we don't sin. Now, when we... Don't walk in Christ, we sin, of course. Uh, that's our flesh, that's our old nature, that's our soul part of us. But f- again, verse number seven, beloved, let us love, or I'm sorry, verse, chapter four, verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. You can't love if you don't you know how to love if you don't know God. Love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Chapter 5, look at verse number 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And so Christians are invincible because in this struggle that we have, this war that we are fighting, because we are of God. We are of God's little children and we are born of God. But then the second half of verse 4 says this. Well, once more, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What's in the world? The false spirits of the world. We are indwelt by his spirit. Three things 
in regards to the Holy Spirit of God, as a child of God, we are first of all taught by the Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, in verse number 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall ask, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He's our divine teacher. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. This book is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. We learned that in Sunday school class this morning. Pastor Parmar told us that. The Word of God tells us that. The, he's, he's our divine teacher, the Spirit of God. He dwells us. He teaches us. But we're not only taught by the Spirit, but we're, secondly, we're anointed by the Spirit. Turn back a page in your Bible again to chapter 2 of this same little book. Look at verse 17 or 27 for a moment. But the anointing which ye have received of him. Now in the context, and we preached on this a number of weeks ago. But the anointing, that's speaking of the anointing of Christ. He is the anointed one. He's the Christos. He's the Messiah. But when he left, he told his disciples when he was the night of his betrayal, he says, when I go away, I'll give you another comforter that shall abide with you forever. Even the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. So there's the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. There's the filling of the Holy Spirit of God, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. There's a difference between the indwelling and the infilling, or the filling. When we are saved, we are filled immediately with the Spirit of God, but we can lose that filling. We can quench or grieve the Spirit of God. We can never lose the indwelling. But the Bible speaks many times in Acts, I didn't put it in the worksheet for you, but Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 8. The saints of Jerusalem in Acts 4.31 were full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen in chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Acts were full, was full of the Holy Ghost. Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 13, were, was filled with the Spirit. And of course, Barnabas in Acts chapter 11 verse 24 was full of the Holy Ghost. You see... We are invincible in the struggle, and we are more than conquerors because we're indwelt by his spirit. We have his anointing. We have his, the, we're being taught by the spirit. But thirdly, we are secured by this spirit. And what do you say what I mean by that, preacher? The Bible says, in whom also, Ephesians 1.13, ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also ye have, ye, after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When you ask the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart, the moment you did that, the Holy Spirit of God entered into your body. He entered into your being, your temple. It becomes his temple. And we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 4.13 says it this way, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the Spirit of God is with us forever. He secures us. So we, why are we conquerors? Christians are overcomers. We're victorious because we're invincible in the struggle. We are of God. We are of God's little children. We are born of God. We are 
Indwelled by his spirit, we're taught by his spirit, we're anointed by his spirit, we're secured by his spirit. But look at verse number five now, back to our text. The Bible says, they are of the world. Notice verse number four starts off, ye are or we are, talking to Christians in other words. We are of God, therefore we're overcomers. But they, that's the non-Christian, that's the unsaved person. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. See, non-Christians are overcome by the voices of the world. Two things about that. First of all, they are influenced by the serpent. They're influenced by the serpent or by the Satan. Genesis chapter 3 we see that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You see, the serpent comes and he questions the word of God. He makes people question the word of God. And he's very subtle. He's very slick at it. And as we learned this morning, that every word of God is pure. Every word of God is perfect from, the, from God himself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. But he influences and he speaks. As Revelation 12, 9 says, he said, great, de- great dragon, that old serpent, the devil, that deceiveth the whole world. You see, the non-believer, the unsaved person is overcome by the voices of the world. They're influenced by the serpent, by the Satan. Up until about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it's been now, maybe five or six weeks now, I guess, Stephen Hawking is one of the smartest men in all the world. I mean, considered, uh, I mean, had the chair in, in, in Oxford or Cambridge, whatever it was, and considered one of the most, the, the, the most intellectual scientists uh, since Albert Einstein, even superseding him, I'm sure. The atheist, the evolutionist, the one that denied God all his life, and he's been lauded by presidents and by premiers all around the world. And smart man, probably 170 IQ plus. But the moment he died, if he didn't receive Christ as Savior, he found out how wrong he really was on so many things, on who God is, that, that God is real and that Christ is real. And he was influenced by Satan all his life. He is esteemed by man, but God... And now he knows the truth, but it's too late. I want you to notice this non-Christian is, they are influenced by the serpent. But then I want you to notice, secondly, this middle part of verse number five. It says, they are of the world, therefore they speak they of the world. They are interested in the secular. Romans 8, 5 says it this way, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they, the things, they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Many people are so interested in the secular. And there's so much in the secular to be interested in. I'll take a shot at uh, sports for a minute because I happen to like sports. And so I saw a guy this, earlier this week, if you see him all the time, every, almost every day we see somebody like this, but I saw a guy, he had his pickup truck, he had all his decals on the back of his pickup truck, and, and I could tell what he liked, he had one of those caps on with, I think the number 23, and he had one of those, one of those uh, 
uh, leather jackets on with everything NASCAR. It was very obvious what he loved. He loved NASCAR. He loved, loved racing. It was very obvious by, and it was so influenced by that's his, that's his thing. That's who he is, if you will. Maybe he was Christian, I don't know. But he looked like a NASCAR lover to me. You see, he showed what he was interested in. The, so many people are society, interested in society, interested in social internet. I saw one this week that blew my mind. I don't, know if, I don't believe this is true, but I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> uh, I, I said that the average American uh, spends five hours a day, are you ready? I don't believe it, on their cell phone. That was on the internet, so it must be true. I don't know. We have people that are so interested in celebrity news. Prove it, you say, preacher. Well, thank you. It's called TMZ. It's called, it's called uh, Access Hollywood, or it's called Entertainment Tonight. It's all on primetime television at 7 o'clock, but if you're spiritual, you watch Jeopardy. And all God's people said, amen. Some of you wheel of fortune, I get you. But they love the secular. They love the things of the world. That's all they talk about. That's all they know. So many people are like that because they don't know anything of the, they don't receive the things of the Spirit. They think it's strange, 1 Peter 4, 4 says, when, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. I do this quickly and I'm not trying to be hurtful, but I grew up in a house, as many of you know, that uh, we knew a lot about drinking in my house and uh, in my relatives and so forth. I've seen so many people destroy their lives by drinking. And then they get, once in a blue moon, somebody gets clean and sober. And they, maybe they get religion, as the world calls it. Maybe they get saved. And the same people that say, hey, you need to be a little bit careful, don't drink so much. And that person maybe gets converted and they go all the way and they don't drink at all. And then they come back and say, hey, can't you have a little bit of fun? You're not a teetotaler now, are you? You're not, a, you're not on the wagon all the way. I mean, just an occasional one won't hurt, right? You're no fun any longer. They don't understand. They're, I just got to run this quick rabbit. It just popped in my head here. My, I talked to mom last, last night, and normally we talk in the morning, the Sunday mornings, but I called her last night, and uh, I never thought my 81-year-old dad, I just get, I get so tickled about this, this just blows my mind. So I never thought in my lifetime that my dad would start going to church. Well, he started going to church, he got saved, of course, as I've said a hundred times now from the pulpit last year, got saved at 79 or 80 years of age, he's 81. I found out my dad went to church more last Sunday than I did because he went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And my mom told me he put money in the plate. Of course, my dad, I don't think he knows about checks, checks or credit cards. And so my dad just puts in cash into the offering plate, of course. And, I said, and mom was telling me the story was funny. It was great. Things have changed. But they are interested. Non-Christians are over, overcome by the voices of the world. They're interested in what the world has to say. Not what God has to say. But then I want you to notice verse number six. Look at what it says. We, it goes back, it goes, starts from verse number four, ye or we, 
talking about Christians. He goes to verse number five, talking about they, non-Christians. They speak of the world, they are the world, the world hears them, and they hear the world. We get to verse number six, and we get back to the Christian. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. Now, that's a pretty in-your-face statement, isn't it? If you're of God, you hear me. You hear, John, John says, you hear what, I, uh, what we're saying. You see, Christians observe and walk with other victors. Christians observe and walk with other victors. We listen to those who listen to God. John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same to commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach, be able to teach others also. We, we listen to those people that listen to God. Pastor Parmar has become a dear friend of mine for years now. We've been friends, but as the years go by, he becomes more and more of a dear, deep friend to me. And I listen to him because I know he listens to God. And I want to hear, I know he's got, he listens to God and then he speaks what God speaks. And I love it, I love it. And it's one thing to listen to God, it's another thing to, after we listen to God, to walk with him. We walk with those who walk with God. We are of God, and he, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that knoweth not God, hear, not, he that is not of God heareth not us. But we walk with those who walk with God. Be careful who you walk with. Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. Proverbs 13 and verse number 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be careful who you walk with. You walk with the wrong crowd, you're going to go down the wrong way, wrong direction. It's going to lead to a destruction and, uh, uh, and, and death. But you walk with those that are walking with God and you walk in the way of life, way of joy, way of peace way of prosperity. So we walk with those who walk with God. But the last half of the verse says these words. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Hereby we know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Notice the non-Christians are obsessed with the vices of error. They're obsessed with the vices of error. They're, first of all, they're blind to the truth. Jeremiah said of the children of Israel in Jeremiah 5 in his day, verse 21, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, and have ears and hear not. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God, small g, that's Satan, who the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Oh, the blinding to the truth. I saw this past week, I saw the headlines, I think it was last Sunday it happened, as a matter of fact, or maybe last Monday. Family drives over a cliff with entire family. 
90 miles an hour over US-1, uh, uh, off of US-1 into the Pacific Ocean. I'm sure many of you probably saw that. It said family. So I, I saw it on the, the web again, and I punched a, I saw they had a picture, and it was two women. And I, they didn't say that, and they said, uh, they said family, of course. They had six adopted kids, and they interviewed two of the, two of the neighbors. One neighbor said, oh, they were wonderful people. The other neighbors said, oh, no, the kids ran over to our house and they cried out for help and they were hungry and, hungry and mal malnourished. They were adopted by these two ladies. They, the, I saw the other day $284,000, I think it was, of taxpayer money went to fund this house here. Blinded, astounding. People say, oh, it's fine, it's wonderful. I saw this past week the, the shooting in, at YouTube or headquarters. Didn't fit the narrative. It was a woman, sorry ladies, it was a lady. It was uh, Iranian, nothing wrong with that. A vegan, Baha'i faith. Didn't have a, didn't have a, a assault rifle but she did as much damage as she could in all the name of tolerance, I suppose, I don't know, or getting her to be uh, evening the score, maybe, I don't know. But they're blinded to the truth. They hate the truth. And then they are brash and bold in their error. They're even without, they, 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 they can't blush about sin any longer, Jeremiah says. They're blind, they're, their full charts are darkened. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. In fact, I saw, saw one yesterday. I see those coexist bumper stickers. Folks, that seems so nice to the world. Can't we all just get along? I saw Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it was, I saw the coexist bumper sticker, and then right next to the coexist bumper sticker was a rainbow flag. And I thought... Do you realize that the first letter in your coexist bumper sticker has a, is a C, a fertile crescent moon, stands for Islam? Did they kill rainbow flag people? Do you understand that? Do you understand that there's a star of David there? Do you understand that the star of David stands for the Jews? And last time I checked, the Jews and the Muslims don't get along too well. And they got this, this, the, the, the emblem for science there. And at last, you finally have the T for Christianity. Let's get along. Let's all be tolerant, unless it's Christianity. And they're bold in their, their error of their ways. They worship and serve the creature more than the creator. So sad to see. And it happens more and more, it seems like, in our culture than, than ever before. These non-Christians are... Obsessed with the vices of error. But so let me give you the bullet points this, this morning here. To, what do we learn from these three verses? First of all, we learn that the only way you can win is to be on God's team. The only way you can win is to be on God's team. You see, you must be born of God. You must be of God. You must be one of God's little children. You must be born of God. You must be indwelt by His Spirit taught by his spirit, anointed by his spirit, secured by his spirit. 
That's the only way you can win. But we're not fighting for victory. Don't get that messed up. Let me give you the illustration in a second. But from victory. You see, Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus paid it all. Jesus already won the victory. I love the illustration. I've given it a number of times, but here's time number 18. I, I think it was 1988. I was a young preacher. I was in downtown Torrington in a two or three family house in downtown Torrington. And uh, there was a, I was talking to a World War II veteran, obviously in his 70s at the time. And his wife was there, and he had on his mantle his picture of his World War, in his World War II Army uniform. So I just needed up everything that's World War II, of course. And so I started talking to him, and, you know, what, what branch of service are you in? Where, when did you go in, and how did you see battle on the Pacific Front or Atlantic? And he answered all the questions and so forth. And I believe he went in 1942 and went through the duration of the war, if my memory serves me correct. And I'll never forget, I was just sitting there and just drinking it in and thralled, and I asked him the question, I said, well, let me ask you this. Did you ever think after, you know, Pearl Harbor and, of course, uh, 1941 and the Nazi war machine and the Blitzkrieg and millions of people were killed by the Nazis and, and uh, they'd taken on the whole world, the superpower that they were? Did you ever think that we might lose? And I, I can't even begin to describe it in the right way, but he, he cocked his head and he kind of looked off in distance and he said, 40 years after the fact, by the way, no, I don't think that ever entered my mind one time. Never thought we'd lose. See, we always knew we were going to win. Always. There was never a thought that we were going to, that we were going to lose. And so we fight the battle. We don't fight for the victory. We fight from the victory. And victory is not a destination, but victory is the beginning point for the child of God. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so here's the truth to know. Every child of God is born to win. And we do, and, 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 and wins. We're eventually, we're on the winning side. We will win. But here's the sobering truth. But not every child of God wars. Some are even in their wrong thinking against the war. Can't we just love one another? Can't we just, you know, get along with everybody else? Folks, we're in a war. It's a battle for man's soul between good and evil, right and wrong. Christ and Satan, heaven and hell. There's a battle. Sometimes it seems like some Christians don't ever get that. Did you know when World War II broke out, a lot of Americans, some, some of many of German descent, they weren't too happy about America going to war against the Axis powers. But we went to war anyhow. And we liberated and by the way, don't let anybody ever tell you that some wars, are, that all wars are bad. The Bible says there's some good warfare. Fight the good fight of faith. And there is a good warfare. I love the illustration. I'll do it quickly. 
when Billy Graham was interviewed by Chris Matthews maybe 10, 12 years ago, in fact, it was George Bush was president at the time, and we were in the Gulf War. And Matthews was trying to bait Reverend Graham. He said, well, what do you think about this war? And I never forgot, Billy Graham said, some wars are good, some wars are just, some wars, and then he said, saves lives. Do you know we're in a war that saves lives? And if you know your history, going back to World War II for a moment, the best thing that ever happened for Japan and Germany was they were liberated by freedom fighters. The best thing that ever happened to the anti-war people in America and around the world, freedom-loving people around the world, even if they didn't participate, was that somebody would fight for them and be willing to die and that we might live. You see, not every child fights, the, not every child of God wars for the win, but everyone gets to enjoy the victories of the, of the, of the win. So fight the good fight of faith. I end with Isaac Watts wrote this song in 1721. We're going to sing it in just a moment. He said, am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this world, vile world, a friend to grace to help me unto God? Sure, I must fight. If I would reign, increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. We only have one life to live, one fight to fight. Now's the time to fight. Oh, we're overcomers. We're, we're going to be on the victory side because we're of God. We're born of God. We're God's little children. But God calls us now to fight the good fight of faith. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I truly believe that most of the people within the sound of this voice, Lord, love you. I'd like to think everyone here loves you, Lord, but that probably, probably is not the truth. I don't know the hearts. But I pray for those that do love you. Lord, we want to love you more. We want to have more love to you. Lord, I, we want to be soldiers of the cross. Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you work in the hearts and lives of those people that need to be drawn to you through your Spirit, need to come to know you as their Savior. Do a work of grace that only you can do in their hearts. We'll thank you for it. I pray you bless in these moments of invitation and reflection. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. As we stand together, let's take our hymn book and turn to page 132. It is.